بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده تعالى ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله وبعد Continuing with our topic of the avenues and the means and the causes of remedying the tight and heavy chest using the works of Ibn al-Qayyim and Sheikh Muhammad Iman al-Jami. So a brief recap of the previous lesson that we had. Ibn al-Qayyim, he said, فَإِذَا فُقِدَ هَذَا النُّورُ مِنْ قَلْبِ الْعَبْدِ ضَاقَ وَحَرِجَ وَصَارَ فِي أَذِقِ سِجْنٍ وَأَصْعَبِهِ When it's the case that the nur of Iman, it departs from the heart of the slave, then the heart it becomes tight and restrained and suppressed and it becomes into a narrow and tight prison. Sheikh Muhammad Iman al-Jami, he said that perhaps people, they may see you. They may see you in being in a state of happiness and luxury and prosperity and ease and tranquility. However, if it is the case that you don't have this nur of Iman in your heart, then in reality, you're living a life that is a tight, constricted, repressed, agonizing life. Because the dunya, the matters of the dunya, they have no worth, they have no value. And for that reason, we find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives dunya to his enemies. Yes, you have those from the believers that have a nice luxurious lifestyle perhaps, but you also find enemies of Allah having dunya, having a nice luxurious happy, so-called happy lifestyle. So if Allah gives the dunya to his enemies, then that therefore indicates that the dunya and having an aff affluent lifestyle, a luxurious lifestyle, a comfortable lifestyle, that isn't a mi'yar, that is not a yardstick by which it is determined whether or not you are in reality living a comfortable, true and happy lifestyle. And we mentioned examples from Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah concerning that. Then after that, Ibn al-Qayyim, he makes a mention of a narration, a narration which we said Shaykh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Bani said is inauthentic. He makes a mention of a narration that the Messenger of Allah alayhi salatu wasalam said, إِذَا دَخَلَ النُّورَ الْقَلْبِ إِنْفَسَحَ وَانْشَرَحَ That if nur, i.e. the nur of iman, iman that is based upon sunnah, that nur, if it enters into the heart, the heart, it expands, it becomes relaxed, it becomes alleviated. So the companions, they said, what is the sign of that, O Messenger of Allah? What's the sign of nur having entered into a person's, a person's heart? Allah's Messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam, replied by saying, Al-inabah ila daril khulud. Returning back to the abode of eternity, i.e. returning back to Allah with repentance. Returning back to Allah by getting close to him. And withdrawing away, keeping away from the abode of ghurur, this abode, this realm of delusion. This dunya, it's a delusional realm that we live in. And to prepare for death before death arrives. <clears throat> so he said concerning these points that the dunya 
It's nothing other than a deceptive reality, a delusional reality. And the person, all he does in this dunya, he takes the zad, he takes the sustenance, he takes the provision that he needs from this dunya to get him into the afterlife. He does not allow this dunya to hinder him from getting close to Allah, hinder him from obeying Allah, hinder him from obeying the Messenger of Allah والسلام, and following his guidance. Rather, the person, he only takes the dunya azad from it, provision from it by which he can get into the afterlife. That is the attitude that the believer is to have and not be deluded by the life of this world. If it is the case that a person has dunya upon dunya upon dunya, luxury upon luxury upon luxury. However, none of that in reality in his eyes holds any weight. He is indifferent to the dunya. Whether it is the case that today he has a million pounds and tomorrow he has zilch, nothing doesn't make a difference to him. His heart isn't attached to it. It's only a means by which he gets into the dunya. As Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he said, we treat the dunya as we treat the, the toilet. We have need of it, but that's it. We don't become infatuated with it. Because the dunya, it is what? It is like a bridge. It is a bridge into the afterlife. And how stupid and foolish and silly the person is who begins to build a palace on his bridge knowing that he's soon about to cross away from that bridge. So concerning this point, who has mem who memorized the uh, lines of poetry from? Anybody go back to Riyadh al-Salihin to memorize those those lines of poetry? Hey, raise your hands. We've got one. Anybody else? Those lines. Okay, two. Ah. Adam, Would you like the mic? Ah. Inna lillahi ibadan futana, which means what? Indeed, to Allah belongs clever slaves. Talaqud dunya wa khaful fitana. What does it mean? They detached themselves away from the dunya, fearing its fitna, fearing its evil. Which means they looked inside the dunya, but when they came to know, huh? it's not a land for the living people, it's not a homeland. The dunya is not a homeland for the people that are. Alive, really alive. Ja'aluha lujjatan. They, uh, they took, they, they, they basically saw the dunya as being nothing other than, other than an ocean. Aywa, wattakhadu salih al-a'mal fiha sufuna. Just like they considered the dunya to be an ocean, they consider their righteous actions in the dunya to be nothing other than ships by which they sail into the afterlife. Tayyip. We also made a mention of 
an example that Ibn al-Qayyim makes of the dunya. Does anybody remember the example that he makes? Three brothers. Three brothers. What about those three brothers? Anybody? Anybody besides Adam? Huh? One Idris. Was it you? Was it you that was speaking? No? Alright. But you want to answer though, don't you? Alright, I'll help you out. Yeah, go on. So what's this man doing? So this man has three brothers. This man, what's he doing? There's a, there's a man, he's about to go into this journey. What type of journey? Huh? No, but an inevitable, inescapable journey. He can't, he can't run away from this journey. He has to go on it. Okay. So he has three brothers. He speaks to them, okay. To assist him on his journey. So he's got three brothers. And he asks these three brothers to assist him and help him. On his journey, why? Because this is the time when I'll be most in need of you. Dave, who's going to complete the rest for Idris? So, so brother number one, what does he say? Brother number one, what does he say? Ah, Eunice. I was with you up until now, but from now on I am no longer a brother for you. And now I've got nothing to offer you other than this. So what does he say to him? What does a man say to this brother? He says, You have been of no use to me. You've been of no avail to me. You're useless. Think about this example. We're going to come back to this example and see what this example is a representation of. So this brother says, I was a brother to you before, but now I've got nothing to do with you. Gone. And then you say to him, You have been of no use to me. Second brother, Second brother, huh? Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'll help you prepare. So I've been a brother for you up until now. And I'm going to help you on your, on your journey. I'll prepare you for your journey. I'll put you on your riding beast. I'll put you in your vehicle. Huh? I'll prepare you for your journey. I'll put you in your vehicle, your riding beast. Prepare the saddle, the provisions that you need. Okay, I'll do that. But then after that point, no longer a brother for you. Got nothing to do with you anymore. So what does he say to him? What does a man say to his brother now? Before that, he says something. He says, I, uh, I'm in need of your companionship on my actual journey. Huh? I'm in need of your companionship on my actual journey, on my actual physical journey. You're saying you're going to help me as far as getting ready for the journey is concerned, but I need your help and support and assistance. I need your company. I need you to be with me on this journey of mine. I don't want to be alone. So the man says, you're not going to get that from me. فَيَقُولْ لَمْ you didn't, you're, you're, no, you're no use to me. You've not benefited me at all. You have no avail to me. So that's the second man. The third brother. Third brother. Somebody who hasn't answered yet. Abdurrahman, did you, Abdurrahim, did you raise your hand there? Ah. 
third brother Naeem. Yeah, we'll get to that, but let's just go with the examples right now. He says, I've been your brother up until today. I'll get you ready. I'll be with you when you get on your vehicle. I'll depart with you. I'll go with you on your journey. If you disembark, I'll disembark with you. If you stop somewhere, I'll stop somewhere with you. I'll be with you wherever you go, to your destination. When you get to your end destination, I'll be there with you. Never ever will I leave you. So the first exam, and then what does this man say to him? Yeah, I tend at least what? To give you? Ithara. Prefer you least. I used to give the least amount of precedence to you, oh brother. I used to prefer the other two over you. If only I had given preference to you over your other two brothers. All right. So these three brothers, who are they? The first one that says, I was your brother before. Before we get to that, this journey that this man is going on. This is, in reality, a representation of what? Remote. Death. You can't run away from it, can you? When death comes knocking on your door, you can't stop it. You can't say, death, uh, don't come today. Uh, I'm, not prep. I'm not ready yet. So come to me after two weeks' time. I'll make istighfar. I'll make tawbah. I'll give the right back that I've taken from other people. Then come to me. No, no, no. no. Death, inevitable, inescapable. Can't run away from it, regardless of how fast you are. Death, when it comes, you have to go. Inevitable, inescapable. Ayyub, so now it's a representation of death. This journey is a representation of death. This man is dying. First example, the first example of the man who says, I was your friend up until now, but now I'm no longer your friend. That is a representation of, of what? Of your money, of your wealth. Dunya, your wealth, your money. Ayyub, second example. Second example is that of the man that says, I was with you, I was with you up until now, I was your brother up until now, and I'm going to prepare you for your journey. After I've got you ready for your journey, then I bid you farewell, and I'm no longer a brother after, you, after that. That is what? Family. Family. Your family is with you up until you die. They wash your body, they prepare your body, they put you in the grave. After that, no longer are they with you in your grave. Third example is that of the man who says, I was your brother up until now, and I'm always going to be your brother with you. When you disembark, I'm going to be with you. Up until your end destination, even in your end destination, I'm going to stick with you, never leave you. What's that a representation of? Huh? The deeds, whether good or evil, pious or impious, righteous or unrighteous, that is your deeds, and they will stick with you forever and ever. <clears throat> and that is the point that we stopped at. That is the point that we stopped at. So then the Shaykh, he says, or rather Ibn al-Qayyim, he then went on to say, or rather the narration that he quoted from the Messenger of Allah, alayhi salatu wasalam, about how do you get nur in your heart? And what are the signs of nur being in your heart? Shaykh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, he says, that there are signs by which a person can see whether or not Allah has placed the nur of Iman in my heart. There are signs and factors by which you can see whether or, whether or not this person has the signs of nur being in his heart. And that is what? Al-inabah ila daril khulud 
returning back to the Dar of Khulud, returning back to the abode of eternity, i.e. returning back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by getting close to him, and keeping away and being withdrawn away and shunning away the abode of delusion. And then he says in the narration, and to prepare for death before it arrives. To prepare for death before it arrives. If you have these three characteristics, you constantly, munib ilallah, returning back to Allah in repentance. You are sorry and remorseful for the wrongs that you commit. You are somebody who has detached from the dunya, or he is withdrawn from the dunya. He shuns, he shuns away from the dunya. He doesn't have mahabba of the dunya, even if Allah grants him a great amount of it, his heart isn't in reality attached to it. If Allah was to take it away from him, it wouldn't make much of a difference to him. Why? Because he's already detached from the dunya, withdrawn away from the dunya. Because he knows it's a dar of ghurur, a realm of delusion. And the third sign of nur, of iman in your heart, isti'dad al-mawt, being prepared for death. So we'll go over this bit, and we'll suffice with this bit today. <coughs> Shaykh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, he says, concerning this bit of preparing for death, before death arrives. كَيْفَ يَسْتَعِدُّ الْإِنسَانِ لِلْمَوْتِ how does a person prepare for death? Al-isti'dad lil-mawt Akthar ahli al-ilm dhakaru Al-isti'dad lil-mawt Fi mu'allafatihim wa fi kutubihim Many of the people of knowledge have made a mention within their books, within their authorships how to prepare for death, how to get ready for death. Thalika bit-tawbah That is by making tawbah Wal-inabah Returning back to Allah in repentance. Wal-ikthar min murajaat safahat a'malika al-madiyah. And by going over, revising, revising what? Revising literally the pages. Which pages? The pages of your deeds. The deeds that you have accumulated so far. Your deeds that you have accumulated, good or bad. Go over them, revise them. Look over them. See what's on your pages and your scrolls of deeds, whether good or evil. Think about what you have done. I.e. hasib nafsak. Take your soul to account. Mada amilta. Wal iqbal ala Allah. Wal kisar al qalb. Wal huzan. Lianna kalata dri bima yachtimulak. Turzak al khauf ma asurur wal inshirah. So you turn to Allah, you advance to Allah, you get closer to Allah. Your heart becomes broken in a state of brokenness and humility before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Grief. Grief, why? Because you do not know what your end is going to be. You don't know how your life will be sealed, with what end your life will be sealed. And thus, as a result of that attitude of yours, as a result of that preparation for death, you are provided with fear alongside Bliss and relaxation of the chest. That type of fear, that type of anxiety, that type of apprehension concerning death, it also brings about relaxation, alleviation, bliss to the chest. So he says these matters. Tawbah, the muhasaba of your nafs. Tawbah, repenting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Allah's Messenger والسلام, himself, as Ibn Umar عنهمah, he said that we used to count in a single sitting with the Messenger of Allah والسلام, that he would say, Rabbi rahim 100 times. He would say, Oh my Lord, forgive me and accept my repentance. Indeed, you are the one that accepts the repentance. Indeed, you are the one that is the most merciful. Allah's Messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam, the one whose sins, all of them have been forgiven, promised paradise, the best of creation. In spite of all of that, Ibn Umar anhu, he says that we count 100 times that the Messenger of Allah seeks forgiveness from Allah in such a manner. So that is how you prepare for death. That is one of the means and the avenues by which you prepare for death. If it is the case that we are lacking istighfar, a habitual practice, routine practice of istighfar, seeking forgiveness from Allah, tawbah to Allah, and that's an indication of us not preparing for death. And likewise, al-ikthar min muraja'ati safahati a'malika al-madiyah. Going over the pages of your deeds, your previous deeds. Taking your soul to account. Taking the soul to account is a characteristic of the believer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said in his book, لا أقسم بيوم القيامة ولا أقسم بالنفس اللوامة Nay, I swear by the day of standing and I swear by the نفس اللوامة the soul that is blaming, the blaming soul. Imam al-Hassan al-Basri rahimahu Allah ta'ala he said concerning this that you're not going to find a believer except that he blames his soul, criticizes his soul, rebukes his soul, takes his soul to account. ماذا أردت بكلمتي؟ ماذا أردت بأكلي؟ ماذا أردت بشربي؟ He will say, what did I intend by that statement that I made? What, did I, what was my actual intention by that eating that I did, by that drinking that I did? However, the fajr, the sinful person, he continues to move forward and he does not and he does not blame himself. He does not take himself to account. So the believer, the one that is really preparing for that death that is inescapable, that is what he does. Takes his soul to account. An example of that from the salaf. An example from, of that from the companions. Amr ibn, uh, Amr ibn, uh, ibn al-As in the hadith of his son Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As in Sahih Muslim he says so here's Abdullah Abdullah the son of, of, of Amr ibn uh, al-As Amr ibn al-As he's dying his last moments now in the dunya. Great companion of Allah's Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam. So while he's dying, his son is narrating the hadith. And he says that my father, he 
turned his face when he was in his yeah when he was in his in, in his death in his final stages of death he turns his face towards the wall and then he begins to cry for a extensive period of time companion starts to cry at the point of death for a long period of time so then i say to my father did not the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam ya abati ama basharaka rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam bikadha ama basharaka rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam bikadha did not the messenger of allah alayhi salatu wasallam give you the good news of such and such did not the messenger of allah alayhi salatu wasallam give you the good glad tidings of such and such so then his father amr ibn al-as radiyallahu ta'ala anhu he turns his face and he says the best thing that we can count on is a shahada the shahada that we made anna la ilaha illallah wa anna muhammad rasulullah he says indeed i have gone through three stages i have gone through three stages he's saying this while he's dying the first stage is what the first stage is that i saw myself and that there was no nothing that was more beloved to me than to kill the messenger of allah alayhi salatu wassalam and if i was to have seized him and killed him then i would surely have been from the residence of the fire he's saying this while he's dying taking his soul to account then after that allah he opened up my chest to islam so i went to the messenger of allah alayhi salatu wasalam and i said to him reach out your hand so that i can give you the oath of allegiance of islam so then allah's messenger alayhi salatu wasalam reached out his hand when he reached out his hand i withdrew my hand so then allah's messenger he says malik ya amr malik ya amr what is wrong with you o amr so amr he said i want to stipulate a condition i want to place a condition so the messenger of allah والسلام, he said you want to tashtarit bimada you want to place which condition so then amr he said i want to place the condition that i become forgiven so then the messenger of allah والسلام, he said did you not know that islam that islam wipes away that which came before it and that hijrah wipes away that which came before it and hajj it wipes away that which came before it after that amr he said after that nobody became more beloved to me than the messenger of allah prior to that there was nothing more beloved to me than getting hold of him and killing him alayhi salatu wassalam now nothing became more beloved to me than allah's messenger alayhi salatu wassalam and my eyes were unable to look at him properly if you were to ask me to describe rasulullah i'd be unable to do so why because out of my respect for him and my honor for him i was unable to look at him alayhi salatu wassalam then after that that was my second stage then after that after that after the passing away of the messenger of allah then after that 
We took on board responsibility. We took on board affairs. We took on board wilaya. We took on board responsibility of governance and so on and so forth. And now I don't know. And, if, and he says concerning the second stage that he was in, if I was to have died in that second state, when, I, when the Messenger of Allah was alive, and I was unable to look at him because of my respect and honor for him, if I was to have died in that state, then I would have truly have hoped to have been from the people of paradise. But then we took on board responsibility of affairs, and I don't know what my end is going to, is going to be. I.e., I'm scared now as to what my reality is going to be. I'm dying right now, and after these few moments, I don't know where I'm going to be. That is the muhasaba of the nafs. That is the taking the soul to account as per the salaf themselves, as per the companions themselves. They are the mi'yar. They are the yardstick by which we measure and determine what type of muhasaba are we meant to be taking. If somebody says, Akhi, that is extreme. Akhi, you're going beyond bounds. You're going too extreme. You say no. Why? Because this is the guidance of the salaf ridwan Allah ta'ala alayhim. Even Umar ibn, Abul, uh, Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu. On an occasion, I believe he was with Anas ibn Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So then, they get to a enclosed garden. A garden that is surrounded by walls. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu enters into the vineyard, into the garden. Anas ibn Malik is outside. Then, Anas, he hears Amir al-Mu'mineen, Umar ibn al-Khattab, the one that has been promised paradise, the one that is the second best from the Ummah. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he says, Umar ibn al-Khattab, Amir al-Mu'mineen, bakh, bakh. He says to himself, Umar, the son of Khattab, Amir al-Mu'mineen, leader of the believers. Well done, well done. Well done, O oh Umar. People, they call you Amir al-Mu'mineen. You really think that you are Amir al-Mu'mineen? He's saying this to him own self. You better fear Allah, O oh son of Khattab. Otherwise, Allah will punish you. Otherwise, Allah will surely punish you. Umar, the one that if he walks a certain way, shaitan walks the other way. He's talking to himself. He's making, why is he talking to himself? He's reproaching himself, reprimanding himself, rebuking himself. Why? Because that is how you make isti'dad lil maut. That is how you prepare for death. You imagine yourself in the afterlife. When you read about Jannah wa Jahannam, you don't read about it like Allah Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa the messenger said, and you read a hadith as though it's just a narration that you're reading and memorizing, just some religious text that you're reading. No! You read these athar, you read these narrations, these narrations about Jannah wa Jahannam, and you put yourself in that situation. You put yourself there. Why? Because it's inevitable that you're going to go to one of those two places anyhow. One of the salaf, they said, I imagine myself in Jannah, eating the fruits of Jannah. I imagine myself in Jannah, eating from the fruits of Jannah, drinking from the rivers of Jannah, hugging the female women 
there were virgins in Al-Jannah. And then I imagine myself in the fire of hell, eating from the zakkum of the fire of hell, the bitter plants of the fire of hell. I imagine myself drinking from the sadid, from the pus, from the pus that exudes from the bodies of the residents of the fire of hell, drinking from it. I imagine myself in that state, drinking from the pus and the sadid of the people of the fire of hell. I imagine myself, I imagine myself tackling and wrestling with the chains and the shackles and the fetters of the fire of hell burning in there. I imagine myself doing that. And then after that, after I imagine myself doing that, I said to myself, Oh soul, what do you want? What do you want? So then my soul, he says to me, I want to be saved. I want to be saved from Jahannam. I want to be in paradise. That is my dream. So then I say to my soul, you are living your dream right now. Therefore, act accordingly. I.e., right now you have the chance to get to paradise. Right now you have the chance to save yourself from fire. Therefore, act accordingly. The point being, Ikhwan, Mawt, isti'dad al-mawt. So the Sheikh, Ibn al-Qayyim, he makes a mention of that narration. Allah, if he puts nur in your heart, your heart becomes expanded and alleviated even if you're the poorest of the poor. How and what are the signs of nur being cast in your heart? Al-inabah ila dar al-khulud wal-tajafi an dar al-ghurur wal-isti'dad lil-mawt qabla nuzulihi. Returning back to the abode of eternity, i.e. getting close to Allah by being repentant, by seeking forgiveness. Number two, withdrawing away from the dunya because it's deception. And number three, preparing for death before it lands on you, before it arrives on you. Death does not distinguish between anyone and everyone. Whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're male, whether you're female, whether you're black, white, Arab, non-Arab, doesn't matter. Death will not distinguish between any of us if the time for our death has arrived. Death snatches away the young man when he's in a state of youthfulness. Death snatches away the old man when he's in a state of heedlessness. Death it snatches away the rich man when he's engrossed in a state of luxury. It does not distinguish between anyone just because you've had a calamity perhaps in your family a few days ago few weeks ago, maybe you lost a relative, doesn't necessarily mean that Allah is now going to give you respite and it's not your turn. It could be your turn in the next few minutes, in the next few hours. Therefore we prepare for death, as the Shaykh he mentioned, preparing for death by being repentant to Allah and taking our souls to account, rebuking and reprimanding our souls, looking at our scrolls of deeds that we've gathered so far and how they are filled with evil how they are filled with transgression, seeking forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concerning that. So we'll conclude at that point. And inshallah ta'ala, we shall then continue next week at the same time, inshallah ta'ala. Allah ta'ala a'lam wa sallallahu wa ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa